Merry Christmas. So welcome to our Christmas Eve service. We're blessed that you're here. And if you're sitting up in the upper room or the cafe, we'd like to welcome you as well. Or if you're listening uh, to the live stream and just hope that you're blessed this evening and have a wonderful Christmas. I'd like to welcome all of the kids that are in the house. So if you're a kid, why don't you raise your hand, kids? You out there? All right. We're glad that you're here. Now, I've got a question for all the kids, okay? How many of you get to open one gift on Christmas Eve at least, all right? Okay, how many of you out there are like, you know what? We have to wait till Christmas morning. No gifts Christmas Eve. All right, that's our house. That's our house. So we're, we're together on that. So the rest of you, you guys are doing it wrong. No. <laughs> we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26. We're going to be looking at the birth of Christ through the perspective of Mary. So let's pray together and ask that the Lord would bless our time. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son. Lord, we come worshiping, thanking you so much that you would love us. God, in a way that's beyond words, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you help us to be impacted once again this evening by your love? Lord, would you touch hearts? We welcome your Holy Spirit here. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary's perspective in the song that she sang when she heard the news that she was going to be the mother of Jesus is known as the Magnificat. It's a Latin word which means my soul magnifies. That's all that it means, my soul magnifies. And as I've been studying these nativity sections in the Gospels the last few weeks, it stood out to me that everyone who experienced the birth of Jesus Christ in one way or another responded in worship. We find Mary, her response was worship. Elizabeth and Zechariah, worship. The angels, worship. Glory in the highest. The shepherds, worship. The wise men, bringing their gifts, their treasure unto Christ. Also, Simeon and Anna, when Jesus was presented in the temple, worship. Even Joseph, and you're saying, I don't know, Joseph didn't seem to worship at the news that Mary, his bride-to-be, was having an immaculate conception. At first he wrestled, but then he obeyed. And obedience is a form of worship. It's the ultimate form of worship. So that's my prayer for us tonight, as we come and reflect upon Christ, that we would be moved to genuine worship. Not just this evening, but every day of our lives, magnifying the Lord with our soul. So let's look in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Gabriel is the angel that gets to be the messenger to Mary. What a joyous job. What a great job to be able to bring this incredible news to Mary. It always brings joy to our soul when we're able to share the love of God with others, when we get to be the messenger of God. Mary's living in Nazareth, which is close to the Sea of Galilee, and her life seems to be going along as scheduled. Business is normal, verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. A betrothal is similar to an engagement, but one step more serious. So they would be engaged, but they'd also be betrothed. And in order to break this betrothal, there had to be a legal breaking off of the arrangement of the marriage. Also, these marriages would normally be arranged by the parents, Joseph's parents, Mary's parents. I think that's a tradition we should welcome back in because I have three daughters and I would like the opportunity to pick their husbands. 
very, very unlikely. Think about all of the planning that's going into this for Mary and Joseph. Joseph was probably preparing a house. Mary was thinking about what their lives are going to be like together. When everything changes in this moment, it's a defining moment by God in verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Many times in the scripture, when someone has an angel come to them with God's message, they're overwhelmed by the presence of the angel. That's not the case for Mary. Notice what she is hung up on. It's the greeting. It's the greeting that troubled her. What does this mean that I'm highly favored? What does this mean that I'm blessed among women? What does this mean that the Lord is with me? I believe her heart and mind started to go towards the virgin birth. Let's consider what this means, highly favored one. In the Greek, it it means to be endued with grace. It means for grace to be poured out upon your life. Mary is going to experience the grace of God in a way that she never has before because Christ is going to be inside of her. This Greek word is only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's in Ephesians 1.6, and it says, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. This phrase, praise and the glory of his grace, is the same word that's translated highly favored, endued with grace. To every believer, to every child of God, you have been endued with grace. You could say that you are highly favored by God because Christ has been given to you, because Christ lives in you. So this is the first thing that we pause and we meditate upon tonight is experience his grace, experience God's grace in your life. And if you haven't come to the point of saying yes to Jesus Christ, the only way to do that is through grace. Jesus is the gift He's the one who died for your sins and rose again, died for my sins and rose again. But you can't receive it through works. It's only through grace. It's a gift that comes outside of yourself. Oftentimes as believers, after we're saved, we kind of seal up God's grace. We say, that was great for salvation and the rest of it I'm going to do on my own. I would bet that most of you don't view yourself as accepted in Jesus Christ. That's not the label that you put upon your soul and upon your life, but that's how God sees you because you're in Christ. You're accepted. You're highly favored. God's favor is upon your life. His approval is upon your life, not because of what you do, but because you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. I wonder what would change in our souls tonight if we believed that about God's grace that he's given to us. If we stopped living in guilt and shame and regret and we said, I'm highly favored, God's grace has been given to me. Every blessing, forgiveness, sanctification, it's all wrapped up in the continued dependence upon the grace of God. So experience God's grace afresh in your life tonight by thinking, I don't deserve Christ, but yet Christ has been freely given to me, just like how Christ was freely given to Mary. Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary this is a good thing. You don't need to be afraid. God has given you his favor. In verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. The name Jesus that we call upon, it means this, to save his people from their sins. 
The name of Jesus describes his mission, that he came to provide salvation. Gabriel says he's God's son, and his name is to be Jesus. For Mary, this is the moment that she heard she's going to be a mom in the most unexpected way possible. Parents, moms, dads, do you remember when you found out that you were going to be a parent for the very first time? I can remember almost everything about when I first heard that news. I remember the color of the walls. I remember our little family room. I remember my wife Amber looking at me and saying, you're going to be a dad. It was slow motion. And I had to sit down. It's like, babe, I got to sit down. Every emotion in the book came over me from all of the good ones to, wow, this is a lot of responsibility. My job meant a lot more to me that particular day. And I kept saying, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. Multiply that out for Mary. She's a virgin. She's not married yet. And now she's going to be a mom to God's son. And she's trying to process all of this. And Gabriel is speaking this to her. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Mary's a Jew. She understands the Old Testament. She understands this promise that David's descendants would reign forever. This is going to be fulfilled in Jesus. This is going to be fulfilled in her son that God gives to her. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. Christ's reign is eternal. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? A logical question. It's different than Zachariah's question. Zachariah is the father of John the Baptist. His wife Elizabeth was barren. Gabriel came to them as well and said, you're going to have a child in your old age. And Zachariah said, how shall I know this? It was a question of doubt. This is not a question of doubt, but a question for information. She's saying, how's this going to be? God, I'd like some more details on this. Ever been there in your life? God, I do trust you. I believe your promise, but I need some more information on this promise that you've given to me. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. It was going to be a work of the Holy Spirit for the Immaculate Conception, for Christ to be in Mary. It's always a work of the Holy Spirit for Christ to be in us, for salvation to occur. If you know Christ, can you go back to that moment in time when God brought you to him, to himself, the circumstances? Ultimately, it was a work of the Spirit. Maybe things that you'd heard before, but that particular moment, it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was a song, it was a worship song, a song on the radio. The Spirit of God was, was drawing you. Maybe you were all alone. Maybe you were sitting in a service like this. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. Those that haven't said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's pointing you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the one who brought you here tonight. The Holy Spirit's the one who's causing you to be aware of this emptiness in your life. I remember there was a deep emptiness in my life before I came to Christ. I was trying everything outside of it and coming up empty. And that was God's spirit that was doing the work. For Christ to continue to be experienced in our lives, it's through his spirit. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by his spirit. In verse 36, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who has been called barren. 
For with God, nothing will be impossible. Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist, is going to be a great encouragement to Mary from the very get-go because it shows God's power and supernatural conception. Here, Elizabeth has been barren, but yet in her old age, she's of child, but also in friendship and companionship. Many would doubt Mary's testimony of the virgin birth. I would have not wanted to hear the conversation that Mary's dad had with her or her older brothers. But Elizabeth understands because Elizabeth knows what God is doing in her own life. Also, not only understanding, but sympathy. Ladies, it's great for you to have sympathy with another woman who has been pregnant or is pregnant. Can I get an amen, ladies? What's interesting is this is the first pregnancy for both women, obviously for Mary, but also for Elizabeth. They're at the different ends of the spectrum. Elizabeth is old. Mary is young, but they're experiencing pregnancy for the very first time. Zachariah was probably hiding out during this period. For there's nothing that's impossible with God. This is the message of the incarnation, God in human flesh. This is the message of Mary being pregnant as a virgin. Nothing's impossible with God. This is seen throughout Christ's life. It's our experience today to know that Christ saves us from our sins. Something that's impossible with men is not impossible with God. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is so important. This is our second thing to consider. It's embrace God's word. You experience God's favor, but you embrace God's word. Mary would have not been pregnant, would have not been the mother to the Christ child if she would have not said yes, if she would have not believed the word of God and submitted to it. There's two things in embracing God's word, and the first thing is believe it. How hard would it be for Mary to believe this? She's believing that God can do the impossible, and then she's submitting herself to that impossible plan. God is going to come to us, to you, to me, and he's going to knock upon the door of our hearts. He's going to say, I love you. I died for you. Will you believe it? Some of you are at that crossroads tonight, and you have to decide, do I trust the word of God? Will I submit my life to the word of God? And if you do, if you say yes, then life is going to come inside of you. Jesus Christ is going to come inside of you, but it's that trust in the word of God. As believers, we face moments in our lives where God comes to us with the word and he says, will you trust me? I want to use you. I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to go in a direction that's uncomfortable. And we're at that point of saying, will I trust the word of God? Will I submit myself to his impossible plan? Sometimes God comes to us through his word and says, I want to give you a peace that surpasses your understanding to guard your heart and mind. And we're left with a moment like Mary where we say, God, according to your word, you know what it feels like. You know when you've said yes to the word of God and submitted yourself to it. But you also know when you've pushed it off. I know when I've pushed it off. Tonight, embrace the word of God. If you need to be saved, receive Christ for the first time. That's what I mean by being saved. Or you've walked with God for some amount of time, some years, that we would go, God, when I read your word, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to submit my life to it. Verse 39, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias or Zechariah, 
and greeted Elizabeth. Why did she run so quickly out of her hometown, Nazareth, going to Judah? Because of the shame that would be projected upon her, because of the guilt, the lack of understanding. She knows she can find refuge in Elizabeth and Zachariah's house. I believe that this is a picture of what God desires every Christ-centered home to be, a refuge for those who need it. That they know that they can come to, to our homes. It's going to be a place of comfort. It's going to be a place of peace. It's going to be a place of pointing to Jesus Christ. Whether you're single or married, whether you live in an apartment or a mansion, it doesn't matter the size of your home. It's the love that's there. And Zechariah and Elizabeth had that love. In verse 41, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Little John the Baptist, he's six months old in the womb. What was his job? To be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, the Messiah. He experiences Christ for the first time. Christ is at the very beginning of his life. The conception has just taken place and John the Baptist recognizes God in human flesh and he starts doing cartwheels in the womb. He starts doing jumping jacks. Some gymnastics right here, leaping with joy. In that moment, the Holy Spirit speaks to Elizabeth and says, this is something special. This is the Christ. And she begins to speak these words of encouragement. Then she spoke out with a loud voice saying, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She knows exactly what's going on. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. She affirms that belief brings fulfillment. Mary, you've believed, you've trusted, and so there'll be fulfillment. Believe, trust, have faith in the word of God, and God will bring the fulfillment. So this brings us to the last section, verse 46 through 56. Should only take me about an hour more. Would that be okay with everybody? <laughs> Is now Mary exalts God's character. Exalt God's character. And for us to get to that place tonight to worship the Lord, but be a worshiper each and every day of our lives. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This word magnify, it means to, to make the Lord great, to have our soul enlarge the Lord. It's not that we can make God bigger or greater. It's that our perspective of him becomes with a deeper understanding. It's kind of like this. When you're a young child, your parents oftentimes can do no harm. It's not that you don't struggle to respect them but they walk around young children with just great adoration of, of their parents. I remember being a young boy and my dad would mow the lawn in Southern Oregon, be hot and he'd take his shirt off and I'd be about 10 feet behind him with my plastic mower, my shirt off, and I would walk just like dad. Well, then what happens a little bit later in life? Parents go from that status of they can do no wrong to that they can do nothing right. They know nothing, right? And unfortunately, that black cloud comes over our lives and it lasts way too long. Parents, can I get an amen on that? But you continue to grow and you start to realize, my parents know two things. That's it, but they know two things now. 
life goes on a little bit more and you go, wow, I don't know how mom and dad did it. I don't know how they got through it. And your respect for them grows. Has mom and dad changed? No, your perspective of them has changed. And when God's grace comes into your life, when you realize that God loves me and he forgives me and I'm accepted in Jesus Christ, when he meets us in his grace currently, our perspective of him changes. We magnify him. We, we glorify him. This is so important for us to be worshipers, to worship him in spirit and in truth, to sing to the Lord. The very essence of who Mary is, she's offering to God. She's worshiping to the Lord. We see that in the next verse. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So her soul, her mind, her emotion, and her will is engaged in worship, but also her spirit. It's the very essence of a person. Commit yourself to go there, to fall down in his presence, to adore him. Christ, you are my treasure. Mary recognized that God is her savior. Mary couldn't save herself. Mary's not the one that we're to be looking to. Mary's glorifying the Lord. Mary's glorifying Jesus Christ. We see that throughout the New Testament. And that's the testimony of Mary. Mary was a blessed woman, but she was still a woman. She was humanity. She was a sinner like the rest of us. It's Christ who is God in human flesh. But don't miss, rejoice in God, my Savior. Take joy in your salvation if you know Christ. You have permission to leave this service tonight with happy feet. Why? Because you're forgiven. Because your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the worst that it's ever going to get if you're the child of God. Great hope that is before us. The rest of this song, Mary points to the character of God in different ways. We see how God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. For he has regarded the lowliest state of the maidservant, for henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Mary didn't have high social status. I don't think she anticipated to be the mother of Christ because she lacked that. But she's saying, God recognized my lowly estate. God's not impressed with social status. He comes to the humble. Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know what's going to keep you from trusting in Christ? for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, it's going to be proud in spirit. It's going to be this idea that I can do it on my own. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. And you don't see your need for Jesus Christ. Maybe you look around at people that love Christ and you say, I'm glad that works for them, but I don't need Christ. I can do it on my own. Well, guess what? That's going to be what keeps you from knowing Christ. Others of you might say, that's where I was at a year ago but I've been crushed. I've been broken. God has resisted my pride. And you came tonight in that place of being poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It knows where we're bankrupt. We go, God, I realize my brokenness before you. Would you forgive me? Would you be merciful to me? I know that I can't save myself. I need your grace. And Mary recognizes that God regards the lowly state. In verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Do you take a moment to remember the great things that God has done for you? Do you know them? Do you share them? Do you understand it? Can you resound with this? God has done great things for me. And holy is his name. We sang that tonight in worship. Holy is his name. This amazing balance and perfection in God where he's holy but yet merciful. 
where his holiness is the sacrifice for our sinfulness. His name is holy and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Tonight, we have multi-generations together in worship. A lot of people are pretty pessimistic about future generations. I'm hopeful. Why? Because God is merciful from generation to generation. His mercy for generations past is here for generations present and generations future. To all the kids that are running around in the sanctuary tonight, and all the parents who are stressed out because our kids are running around in the sanctuary tonight, is God is merciful from generation to generation to those that fear Him. What does it mean to fear Him, to respect Him, to be in a place of awe? As our children come to that place in their lives, God's going to be faithful to give His mercy, to not pour out His judgment. He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He resists those who are self-sufficient, that are self-made, that don't see their need for Christ. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh from the Old Testament were powerful, prideful men that God humbled. And we see throughout scriptures and throughout history that God lifts up the lowly. He lifts up those that see their need for Christ. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. Hungry with good things. We've got a hunger and thirst for righteousness and for the kingdom of God. The rich are oftentimes set away empty because they don't see their need for Christ. They see sufficiency in material things, not always, but many times. And riches can be a stumbling block from the kingdom and from Christ. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he's spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. God spoke to Abraham and said that through his seed that all the nations would be blessed. Christ is the fulfillment of that promise to Israel and to Abraham, then going out to all nations and blessing all nations with Christ. Verse 56, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Mary hangs out with Elizabeth, for three months, the first trimester, the first 12 weeks of this pregnancy, probably a lot of morning sickness, a lot of comfort, a lot of encouragement, also a lot of fear and anxiety as she went back to her hometown to face the shame, no doubt, that was coming upon her. So what have we seen tonight in these few verses? And I encourage you to continue reading on tonight and tomorrow as you celebrate Christmas in Luke's account. But we've seen this is experience God's favor. There's nothing like going to sleep tonight knowing that you're loved by God, knowing that you've trusted in Christ for your salvation. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to make a decision about Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ, if you begin to pray in your heart and ask that the Lord would soften hearts, is would you receive grace? It's really hard to receive a gift, to receive grace, and to come to this place of realizing I can't earn salvation. It's only through trusting in Christ and what he's done. And then believers, would you focus on God's grace in your life and stop trying to earn or deserve God's blessing? Stop thinking that his blessing is going to come into your life based on what you bring to the equation. God says you're highly favored because of your faith in Jesus Christ, not because of us. Church, that's good news. Allow the grace of God to affect you and impact you and see yourself as accepted by God because of Jesus Christ. And then embrace the word. Embrace the word. As we come to this moment of decision, 
you're going to have an opportunity to trust what Jesus said. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the word of Christ. That's God's word. And if you trust it and submit your life to it, and they give you an opportunity to raise your hand. You're not raising your hand to me or someone else. You're crying out to Christ with a broken spirit, saying, God, would you forgive me? I believe your word. I believe your promise. I'm putting my faith in you. Be my Lord and Savior. And then God's promise is that he will give you eternal life. You know if you have a reservation or not. If you're making a flight to go travel and, and you book your flight and you've got a reservation, So God says eternal life is something that you can know that you have based on your faith in Jesus Christ. But you have to embrace the word. And then believers, would you embrace the word? And I'm not talking about some mystical weird thing. I'm talking about this right here, Genesis to Revelation, embrace the word. Get in it, read it, study it, and then trust your life to it and say, Lord, this is what you say in your word. I'm not feeling it right now. I am discouraged right now. I am confused right now, but I trust your word and I surrender my life to your word. There's gonna be new life spiritually in our lives. Mary was fruitful in the kingdom. You're gonna be fruitful. I'm gonna be fruitful in the kingdom as we embrace the word. And then finally, exalt God's character. Be a worshiper. Allow your spirit and your soul commit yourself to that place of God, I I thank you. I glorify you. I want to begin my days worshiping you. I want to spend the day worshiping you. I want to go to bed in the evening worshiping you because of your grace that you've given to me. So as we pray, if you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, putting your faith and trust in him, I'm going to ask that you'd raise your hand, that you'd raise it high. And you, like Mary, have to decide if you'll say, Lord, let it be according to your word. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting your work of grace and forgiveness in my life. Let's pray together. Father, you're the author of salvation. You're the one who calls us by name. There's those that are wrestling right now if they're gonna surrender their life to you and trusting your word and trusting your promise. We pray that you would pour out your love through the power of your spirit, that you'd touch hearts. If you'd like to receive Christ, putting your faith in him to receive that free gift for salvation, would you raise your hand, leave it up, and I'd like to say a prayer with you. We'll just wait for a few moments. Go ahead and respond to the Lord. Praise the Lord, I see your hand there in the back. Praise the Lord, I see hands here. Praise the Lord, I see your hand there in the back. Praise God, I see your hands there in the upper, upper room. Praise the Lord. Praise God, I see your hand right here. The Lord sees your hands. In the back there, there in the right, praise God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God's good. If you're listening online, praise the Lord. I see your hands there in the back, all the way behind the sound booth, praise the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you died for my sins and rose again. I turn away from my sin and receive your grace and forgiveness. Be the Lord of my life. Take control of my life. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me. Help me in this new relationship with you. You can put your hands down. Father, we thank you for each person that's responded to you, Jesus. We rejoice. God, you're so good. Would you bless these that have responded to this free gift? Fill them with your spirit. Protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.
God is so good and that's so exciting. If you've just received Christ, we have a Bible for you and a new believers packet. When the service is done, please let us know uh, that you've made that decision and come get a Bible and a new believers packet because we'd love to pray with you and encourage you. We're gonna end this service in a candle lighting and right here in the front, we've got one candle and it symbolizes that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He declared about himself that he's the light of the world and you're gonna watch, you're gonna witness as the light goes throughout the room of how Christ's love can spread and meditate upon Christ's love and how he desires uh, to use you. So would you please stand with me? And as we do this candle lighting, uh, we want everyone to be safe. So please be aware of everybody's hair and clothes and those type of things.
I think I've got the best seat in the house right now. What's really awesome is you look around, is your face is lit up. If you look out about the room, and that's what Christ does. He lights up your face. He, he lights up your countenance with the love of Jesus Christ. The same grace that saves us is what uses us. We're all broken vessels. We're all unworthy, and God wants to pour his love through us. God wants to use you to impact people's hearts and lives for eternity. The way that Jesus came is the way that we go, serving others, desiring for God to touch people's lives. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace that saves us and that also uses us. And we just ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to take your light and take your love to a lost and dying world. Lord, give us a heart for the things that are on your heart. May we care about what you care about. Lord, we be each be used right where we're at for your glory. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.